right, everyone, it is the episode that I have been waiting for all season long, and it's very special to my heart. I'm sure it's special to Matthew Fairburn's heart. Today is the reveal, the live reveal, so to speak, of the Come On Darlene bracket, but we're going to get to that in a little bit because, you know, just to really just ramp up the... Uh, the anticipation for it, Matthew. I mean, it's 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 a big day. We've been working hard for this, and I, I may or may not have went back in the last hour and got back got uh, all of all sixteen weeks of the Come On Darlene entrance. But still, time you will never get back. That is true. But dedication to the pod, dedication to I the feel listeners. Like this is what we've been working towards. Yeah, dedication to the craft. And there's some Come On Darlene analytics that are pretty hilarious um that we'll get into but yeah this it's a it's gonna be a it's gonna be fun so we'll reveal that once we get farther into the episode but welcome back everyone it's been about a week or so since we last talked with you we discussed brandon bean quite a bit after a discussion um a twitter follower had with uh, with his friend but this time around we're we're both knee deep in um some off-season series, off-season preview series that we're doing for our respective companies. And I, I think it's a good time to kind of get into all of the little areas and the bigger picture stuff that goes into the off-season before the Bills and the rest of the NFL really go to the first big uh, off-season event, which is the Senior Bowl down in Mobile, Alabama. Both of us will be there. And uh, the Bills will be checking out talent. And and if you think that it doesn't matter, it does. Because they've drafted quite a few guys from the Senior Bowl each of the last two years. I mean, last year it was Harrison Phillips, Taron Johnson. Um, was there another? Was Wyatt Teller down there? I'm, I can't I remember if he was. I don't think he was. But the year before, Tredavious White was down there. Zay Jones was there. Nathan Peterman was there. Deion Dawkins was there. Yep. So, um, I mean, they, they have... Uh, done a lot of homework on guys that they ended up drafting at the Senior Bowl. So it's definitely a Teller week. was at the Senior Bowl. He was. Okay. So that's a that's a week to take in, certainly. Um, so the Bills, they'll, they'll, be, uh, they'll be keeping a close attention to all those guys, probably along the line of scrimmage more than anything, maybe the wide receivers. But, yeah, it's, it's always a fun week down there. But in terms of the offseason, as we're getting closer to it, when – there is a when you have the type of resources that the bills do the obvious emphasis from fans is just to say all right go fix everything but there's an inner battle there and i think you kind of you and tim definitely touched on it on your series over at the athletic um you know just going on and and recommending different things that the Bills should do over at my series at WKBW.com. There, there's all of these little ways that they they kind of have to go about it, but not without going overboard. And I think that's somewhat of a challenge for them, especially when they've got all that uh, cachet to deal with. Yeah, there's a few different ways to look at it. I mean, you could say that because they have all this money and they have a quarterback on his rookie contract it would be prudent to spend while you can and you know load up on talent to surround him with guys while you can and 
maximize whatever window might come open if he takes a step forward. But at the same time, they've spent pretty much the entire time that they've been in Buffalo trying to fix the salary cap and get themselves in a position where they can build the foundation. They constantly talk about building through the draft. And, you know, we heard the word judicious at the end of season press Mm -hmm. conference. So I think there's going to be a little bit of that as well. And what I wrote about today in regards to the draft, which kind of gets underway next week uh, at the senior bowl, the pre-draft process does there's going to be, I can already sense the angst uh, among bills fans over the fact that this is a defense-heavy draft at the top, Mm -hmm. and a lot of the mock drafts have just slotted a defensive player to the Bills at number nine when everybody knows their biggest needs are offensive line, wide receiver, tight end, probably in that order. So, you know, I think when you look at it that way, you know, people can get a little bit bent out of shape when they see a defensive lineman coming off the board or a cornerback, but... If Brandon Bean, you know, this is going to be a test of him and his best player available approach because the best player available might not fill a glaring need for these guys. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think they'll be beholden to to drafting offense. I think that would be somewhat of a mistake for them because I think it's so easy to go into an off season and sit there and go, all right, what do we need for two thousand nineteen? This, 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 and this. And I think that's where a lot of GMs kind of make mistakes because they're thinking about 2019, which is good too, definitely, but almost ignoring situations that are coming down the line, whether it be the 2020 season, 2021, it's always good to have plans in place at every single one of the positions so that way you don't have to put out a... A, uh, a fire that will not go down at the sight of water or at the touch of water. I mean, it's it's going to take a lot more to it. So even though, I mean, the, the need for offensive line is immense. We know that. Wide receiver, they need at least one, if not two, guys that can come in and contribute on a top four. They need a new tight end. That, that position needs to be overhauled for sure. But when you look at the defensive side of the ball, which is why it, you, you brought up the, the overall angst from some fans with it. I mean, you look defensive tackle. It's not as though they have anything at three technique right now. No, I mean, they needs wise. Right. That's kind of the good thing is right. that as much as people want to focus on offense, really outside of safety and quarterback, what position do you look at and say it's set for the future? I think maybe corner, know, depending on how maybe. you feel about Levi Wallace. But even then, yeah. you know, some depth, a fourth guy uh, sure. is always good to have. You right. can never really have enough cornerbacks. And I talked to John Middlecoff for that story I posted today, and he used to scout for the Eagles, now does some media stuff, and including writing a little bit at The Athletic. But he mentioned, I think the operative, you know, phrase here is that, you know, positions of strength can turn into positions of weakness very quickly yes and that happened to the bills in a span of a month with richie incognito and eric wood the left side of the line was a strength and then it became a big weakness because you know they didn't have a center and they didn't have a left guard so that's where you know and you look at brandon bean's experience too in carolina when they picked ryan khalil uh, as you know a second round pick he was kind of thought to be maybe a late first guy. They already had Justin Hartwig, who went on to have even more successful seasons elsewhere. 
but they picked Khalil because he was obviously the best player. Mm-hmm. Shaq Thompson, you could make the same argument. They had Keekley and Thomas Davis, and they bring in Shaq Thompson, and you're thinking, do they really need a linebacker that high in the draft? But he was the best guy on the board. So they have the history of doing it, but... I think Vernon Butler can be thrown in there as right. well. They had they, multiple defensive they, linemen that they liked. They stacked a lot of defensive linemen on top of each other. And, and you know, I think when you look at the way... Obviously, Brandon Bean wasn't making those picks. Sean McDermott wasn't making those picks. But the philosophy there is something that you draw on when you mm-hmm. look at what they might do with their drafts here. Because Brandon Bean only had one draft here in Buffalo so far. And it was all centered around the quarterback. You know, it, mm-hmm. it, I don't know that we learned a ton about his draft philosophy in that draft just because everything was so centered around getting the quarterback. He might not be so aggressive trading up into the top 10 every time if he doesn't need a quarterback. And, uh, you know, the way he uses his resources might not be the same either. So I think it'll be interesting to see. It's early to say there's no wide receiver worth it or there's no tight end worth it. Sure. But that's the way it looks, you know, when you talk to people who have gotten a jump start on this thing. I mean... Dane Brugler's big board has five offensive players in the top 20. One of them's a quarterback. Three of them are offensive linemen, and one is a tight end. Where's Drew Locke? So Drew Locke is not in the (laughs) top 20. I think the number one quarterback on his board is the kid from Duke. Oh, Jones? Daniel Jones? I think so. Yeah. Um, It's so weird. I have not paid any attention to the quarterbacks. I just noticed that it was either Haskins or Daniel Jones, both considered potential top 10 guys. But it's like I have a blind spot for quarterbacks when I look at various, you know, like the Senior Bowl rosters. Yeah, I know. I couldn't tell you. And you uh, know, being on this beat, it's like that's the first thing you go to every single right. offseason. And now it's like, well, they're not going to even think about that. In, Usually in by any capacity. now, I know, to, I know how many times they made the honor roll in high school. I know, you know, <laughs> but I haven't even thought about the quarterbacks. The only way the quarterbacks impact the Bills uh, is if there's enough of them to where the Bills might be able to trade back. Right. And that's, I think, where you'll probably hear that a lot between now and April, where trading back might be the best move for them if a certain guy's on the board or if somebody wants to come up and get a quarterback because the sweet spot, you know, there's a lot of wide receivers in this draft from 20 to, say, 100, you know, where it's hard. To, it doesn't seem like there's a consensus on the top guy. Mm-hmm. And so you probably want as many swings as possible in that range. It would be nice to have multiple second-round picks or multiple third-round picks to take a crack at a few of these guys and kind of let the competition play itself out. Tight end also looks really strong. So, you know, it won't. it's not as if the draft doesn't play to their needs at all. It's just sitting at number nine, they may be in a position where a defensive tackle is the best guy on the board, and they need that. They just need other things more, but uh, I think once people start to wrap their heads around the roster a little bit, they'll probably realize that Kyle Williams' departure is is a bit of a doozy. Yeah, pretty significant. unless they bring Jordan Phillips back, and even if they do, he's still not a proven guy, every down type of guy. So Harrison Phillips can play a little bit of that, but I think you'd rather have, and you look, again, what they did in Carolina. Tons of those guys, the Quan Short, yep. um, Vernon Butler, those guys that can play that. On top uh, of Latulale. Exactly, who was who was the nose. So they valued that position very highly, 
and they don't have a blue chipper there, and so they might have a shot at one here. Right, exactly. And, I mean, what you brought up, Jordan Phillips, uh, I think he's probably best used in spurts. Um, and I don't know based he's also on... also a free agent, right. so we don't even know that he'll be back. Right, and I don't know based on his history in Miami if he's someone that you would want to give more than a one-year deal to. Um, just just to keep him hungry, keep him motivated, the same way he was motivated when he got to Buffalo to prove everybody wrong. So even if they bring him back, they still need someone who is of starting caliber at three technique, and that's that's a fire. If we're talking about putting out fires, that's a fire that they have to put out in in some way, shape, or form in the in the uh, 2019 offseason. And and furthermore, if let's say those three defensive tackles that uh, everyone's talking about right now, who is it, Gary? Um, Williams from Bama and Oliver from Houston. Maybe you can throw in the kid from Mississippi State, but he's got some off the field stuff that that might not be too endearing to this to this staff and uh, and certainly to this ownership. But when uh, if if those three guys are off the board, I mean, there exists the potential that a pass rusher is there. And I know you're probably thinking like, all right, well, pass rusher, they don't need that in 2019. No, they they probably don't. They, because they've got Jerry, they've got Jerry Hughes signed. They've got Shaq Lawson signed. They've got Trent Murphy signed. They have Eddie Yarbrough, who they're trying to get something out of. They've got Mike Love. And they'll probably have to add at least one or two names there. But after 2019, guess what? They've got a whole lot of nothing. Jerry Hughes is an unrestricted free agent. I would think they decline Shaq Lawson's fifth-year option. That because I don't know that you want to necessarily put yourself at risk due to an injury to be on the books for Shaq Lawson making $11 million in 2020. Um, and then who knows about Trent Murphy? If he doesn't kind of turn it around this season, then you could cut him, save about $7.2 million on the 2020 cap. So you could have a an immense turnover in the 2020 offseason without anyone to kind of pick up the torch. So if there's a pass rusher like, oh, I don't know, Josh Allen <laughs> from Kentucky that uh, is just – popping out at you at ninth overall, that might be too good a value to pass up thinking about the down-the-line value. Or you can always sit there and go, okay, well, we don't need this right now. We would be best served to trade down, which would probably be the best thing for all parties so that way they can address all of these needs because we know they have 10 draft picks. We hear 10 draft picks till we're blue in the face. Only three of those are in the first three rounds. So it would behoove them to... Only one of them's in the top ten. You right. You get one of those True. All, all the time. That's absolutely know? right. But, like, let's say the Raiders want to get a little uh, feisty and, and move up the board or something like that. Maybe uh, who else has two picks? What is it, the Packers? The Packers have two picks in the first round. Um, there there might be some potential there where you move down and, and pick up a couple of substantial picks out of it. So Even if you can get picks in the second round, you know, look at the way the Colts kind of rebuilt on the fly with a yeah, bunch of second-round right? picks and nailing those picks. The plan probably is not to end up in the top ten of the draft too much longer. If you think about sure. everything that went wrong this season, they're still picking ninth. So I think the plan would be to be moving down the order. And so that's why if they do take a pass-rushing defensive tackle or a pass-rushing edge player, it's not – a a stupid move by any means no. because if you look at the guys who are successful at those positions generally speaking you're talking about guys who were picked very high in the draft they're hard to find because 
of the athletic profile that it takes to play both those positions at that level as a pass rusher, and they get drafted accordingly. And so I think when you're picking in the top 10 and, you ha- and you're staring what Howie Roseman, the Eagles general manager, called a historic defensive line group, both on the edge and at tackle, you have to kind of, you know, take what's there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the right approach. Obviously, you know, you can put some guy, if there's a tie between a defensive tackle and an offensive tackle, you might say, you know, the offensive tackle is the way to go. But but even even then, you might have to weigh potential impact of position on your overall scope of your roster. And, I mean, you can definitely make a case that a, an impact interior pass rusher is far more important than an offensive tackle in today's NFL. And, and again, the idea would probably be that you can find a tackle in free agency. You can find a guard a little bit later in the draft. In doing the offensive line story I did this week, the general consensus from smart you know, NFL offensive line types is that you start with left tackle and center. Those are the hard ones to find. Mm-hmm. And from there, you can get by or plug holes with you know, guys that you try to develop on the fly. But I think center was a, a real issue for them. And obviously, oh, yeah. you don't need to spend a top 10 pick on center. But... Um, you know, maybe they spend money there. Maybe they go go for it later in the draft. But you can also find some tackles in the mid to late part of the first round, or even in the second day of the draft. So that's why sitting in the top ten, I get the people that roll their eyes at a cornerback because I don't think a cornerback makes a lot of sense for them. You look at the way that Sean McDermott has developed that position. Yeah, I know. I think it would be a waste of an asset, and I think. Brandon Bean recognizes that. I think he's and same goes for free agency as well. Like putting huge money into a cornerback, that's just not something that uh, even going back to Carolina that they they did. I mean, remember Josh Norman? I mean, they had as good of a case to do that for Josh Norman as anyone, and they ripped the franchise tag. And he's the perfect example of why they don't need to do that because they found and developed Josh Norman. Right, and you can point to a lot of examples with Sean McDermott at. You can criticize him for a lot of things, but the way he develops defensive backs is, you know, definitely one of his strong points. And regardless of what you think of Levi Wallace, odds are there will be a guy in the fourth or fifth round that they can draft and develop and add depth. So corner, I would probably roll that out. Safety, I would say, mm-hmm. would be not the best use of an asset. I mean, I guess, I guess if there were a strong side linebacker or are we just talking a, in terms of the player, draft? Yeah, just okay. in terms of yeah. big picture philosophy, top 10, mm-hmm. you know, you're spending that pick on the rare prospects that you can't get later in the draft when you're right. picking 20 to 30, uh, which is the goal, uh, making the playoffs. So I think that's where defensive tackle and edge players make a lot of sense. So so does, you know, offensive tackle. If you can get the Mike McGlinchey type that was sitting there at nine last year, that's a, a guy that can transform your line and obviously protect your main investment, which is Josh Allen. But you still have to recognize that, uh, you know, sure, they could trade down. Sure, they could, you know, talk themselves into an offensive player. But the way the, way the board looks, you know, the more quarterbacks go high. Kyler Murray declaring is a great thing uh, for the Bills because the more quarterbacks that go high, the more it's going to push some of the blue chip 
defensive talent down the board, and that would put the Bills in a position to either trade or to um, you know take a guy that could continue to impact their defense, which is far from perfect mm-hmm. as it stands right now. Yeah, there's there are so many different ways that they can make that pick worth it to them, and and that's why when you have all of these different positions that are being bandied about for the Bills, I mean, it's never a smart thing to discuss things in absolutes with the NFL draft because it's just so much of a different roster building environment because there you have to look so much further into the future. And and if you're not, you're doing yourself a disservice. And like I said before, you're just trying to put out fires for the sake of putting out fires so that way you don't get fired. And I don't think Brandon Bean thinks like that. I think he and Joe Shane and and Sean McDermott, they all have a a really um, significant view of what they're trying to accomplish in a down-the-line sort of thing. And I I don't think, I mean, as much as you can't predict what's going to happen with um, Richie Incognito and then Eric Wood having to retire because of his neck, as much... You want to be able to prepare for the things that you can prepare for, which are contracts expiring and, you know, the potential values of guys. And, and oh, not to mention, there's also reasons to address other positions, such as a defensive end, so that way you can help set yourself up for future picks down the line, i.e. compensatory picks. Because if Shaq Lost and Jerry Hughes both hit free agency, guess what? You're probably they're probably getting a pretty substantial sum on the open market, which means you're probably getting a comp pick in 2021. So this is the long game that that we're talking about, and why the the Bills and Brandon Bean have to be smart in in every single way. But in terms of the draft, don't don't rule things out for the sake of just saying, ah, oh, well they've got three pass rushers, they're good. Ah, oh, well you know they've they've got. Uh, Star Latula who's making a ton of money, and Harrison Phillips, who they drafted in the third round. They won't do that. No, they they, they might. And if, if there's one thing that Sean McDermott was maybe not that happy with at, at the end of the year with from his defense, was the fact they weren't, weren't getting any heat on the quarterback. I mean, outside of Jerry Hughes, what was there? I mean, Kyle Williams occasionally. Well, he's gone, by the way. Trent Murphy rarely did it. Shaq Lawson, for as well as he kind of bounced back in his third year, really didn't uh, provide too much heat on on the passer. He improved, definitely, but not enough to warrant him them thinking that they've got an answer there. And Eddie Yarbrough had zero sacks. Um, Trent Murphy was just kind of a guy, um, solid against the run. Sometimes he got back there, used his length, but not really like the, the edge-bending sort of dude. They don't have that guy outside of Jerry Hughes, so they need to address some part of that, and which is why we've kind of honed in on the defensive line here for the draft purposes because there's a legitimate shot that they use their ninth overall pick on that uh, on one of those two positions. It's really not that crazy. No, and I think it speaks to them taking, you know, this draft being a test of that patient approach. Mm-hmm. And we'll get a little bit more insight into Brandon Bean's philosophy in regards to you know, the draft and, you know, spending those picks. But I think you can get, you know, just because they spend the number nine pick on a pass rusher or a defensive tackle doesn't mean this is a defense draft Mm -hmm. and or a defense offseason. I think they know that 
you know, I think you have a little bit more control when it comes to free agency. Obviously, those guys can pick what they're doing, but you can spend a little bit more to make sure you get a right tackle. Mm -hmm. Or you can, you know, throw a little bit of extra money at, you know, a guy to make sure that he comes to be your center. Um, But in the draft, you're at the mercy of how the board falls if you're truly going with the best player available. Now, as the draft goes on, Brandon Bean has said that's when you can start you know, deviating and looking for need because the grades get a little bit closer at that point and, you know, you can start to plug some holes. But at the top of the draft, you kind of need to pick the best player because Mm -hmm. regardless of what you do, whether you're picking for need or picking the best player, I mean, picking the wrong player is going to screw you. Look at Doug Whaley, you know, in the 2014 draft, trading up to get Sammy Watkins He was clearly going for need, clearly trying to surround his quarterback with more talent at wide receiver to make the quarterback look good. That may, you know, argue with that philosophy all you want. It probably would have been fine if they took Odell Beckham. Right. You know, I I mean, but... They still would have had EJ. They still would have had (laughs) EJ, but you would have a better wide receiver and people wouldn't say that that it was a bad trade. Mm -hmm. It was a bad trade because of the value and, you know, the, the big picture understanding... Uh, you know what what you're dealing with in a particular draft and the fact that you know the Khalil Mack was on the board Uh, if you're truly best player available that was the best player on the board and so a lot of this comes down to picking the right guy a lot of it comes down to you know a little bit of luck because picking the right guy is a lot easier said than done but your odds of picking the right guy I think go up a little bit when you're not ramrodding yourself into picking a particular position, which is why free agency will be pretty important for them to give them a little bit of peace of mind going into the draft that some of those immediate needs are filled and they can get some of the guys in the draft that they need to um, you know, just continue to add a foundation, add more talent, because the more draft classes you get in, the more young, cheap, talented players you right. get in, the better your foundation becomes. And right now the foundation is really only a handful of pieces because they only have two draft classes and they gutted all the draft classes that came before them. And they'll say they had to do it, which I guess technically they didn't have to, but in their minds they had to do it because they wanted to, you know, start with a a blank slate, get all their own guys from their program, build from within, build from the ground up with the exception of, you know, Shaq Lawson, Lorenzo Alexander, Jerry Hughes, not that many others. Yeah, I guess, you know, Kyle Williams obviously hung around. And, John and, Miller is still there, but not these aren't right. guys that are... Jordan Mills, I mean... You could also look back, though, and say, you know, the argument on their end is, what have any of those guys done? True. And right. I think, you know, Ronald Darby's a solid player, but they certainly don't miss him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Sammy Watkins, the injury questions have continued to follow them the same injury too so you know they have some you know point there to lean on to say you know maybe they didn't need to get rid of these guys but they also if they hadn't those guys wouldn't be pillars on the team either because you know some of these guys hit free agency stefan gilmore robert wood some of these guys that were talented players cordy glenn uh wasn't a standout this year by any means so they got rid of some of that foundation that was built up, 
they lost some of it unexpectedly in Eric Wood and, and Richie Incognito, but they also didn't necessarily miss out on too many guys that were, you know, the, the one thing you could point to is you could say that 2017 offseason before Brandon Bean got here, you know, they probably made some missteps in terms of mm-hmm. leveraging themselves with assets, not picking up Sammy Watkins' fifth-year option, um, you know, kind of messing up the compensatory pick formula, which we've talked about. And, of course, everybody wants to talk about passing on Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. Sure, so right. they there were some missteps there at the beginning for sure. But in terms of the guys they got rid of, I think it's hard to fault them too much because none of those guys is out there lighting the world on fire. I mean, Robert Woods was probably going to leave because he was going to get paid a ton of money and the Bills were in cap trouble. Yeah, they didn't even that try wasn't, with him. You know, yeah. That wasn't the fault of Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean. That was the fact that the Bills had kind of kicked the can down the road and had to answer for it. Same goes for Stephon Gilmore. They weren't going to pay that money. And so those are the two guys I think that have had probably the most success elsewhere. Um, and then there were some other guys that they had to get or they thought they had to get rid of because of, you know, reasons like, you know, off the field stuff. But even like Marcel Darius, which was a, a tough pill to swallow because they hardly got anything. And they he did nothing you know, this year, but he he didn't do a whole lot. Uh, in the last year and a half since he's been traded. So that's the spot they're in. That's where patience comes in. And that's where organizational patience comes in, where they're about as stable as you can get entering year three with as little as results as they've gotten. Yes, they made the playoffs, but they kind of snuck in. 15 wins out of 32 games. Right. It's not been a great two-year run. And to some people who are cynics, they'll say they've done nothing to earn this. But I think, you know, the fact that they were hired, the fact that you put that trust in them, having the patience can pay off. And we're about to find out because it's almost uh, time to, to answer for a lot of this and time to get some results. And 2019 will, I think, be the start of a lot of that judgment. Yep, absolutely. And we'll get further into the off-season discussion, specific players tar- to target and things of that nature because, you know, that's this is where it gets kind of fun. I know uh, be a GM mode is always one of my favorite things to do on video games, just kind of kind of figuring it out as, as you go along, reshaping rosters, doing things the way that you want to do it. And, you know, this is, the, the Bills have a rare situation where they have – you know, they have so many assets to do whatever the heck it is they want to do. And they already have two positions that they believe to be of vital importance, which is the quarterback, or so they hope they have a quarterback, and the middle linebacker in Tremaine Edmonds, who had a fantastic final four games of, of his rookie season. So uh, they they uh, they have some building blocks, and now it will... Uh, we'll see what they do with it. I mean, this is definitely one of the more compelling off-seasons that... Uh, that I can remember in a non-quarterback need year. This is a, with all of the different ways that they can go. There's, there's a, there's a lot to, uh, to chew on as we move forward into the off season. All right, it's time, man. We need to reveal the come on Darlene bracket. And for those of you that are new to us, which first off. This is going to get weird for you if, very, you if you're new to us. Very weird. But welcome. Yeah, welcome and how dare you also. Um, so through the year, after each game, Matthew and I both give out an award called the Come On Darlene. 
um, which goes to us feeling rather incredulous about uh, what someone or something did um, somewhere around the time of when uh, when that game was. So when I'm I like, come on, man. Yeah. If you ever were familiar with the old uh, ESPN, was it what was it the wrap up show on yeah, Sunday nights? But but Darlene, I mean. Dar, Dar, it's Darlene was the the genesis of this because she accused me of giving away game plan advice on Twitter against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Week Seven of the 2017 season. So that's how this whole thing started, and here we are a year later, still using that, that mantra. Po- the original podcast is gone from the yeah internet wave, so it's right. good that we mentioned that because mm-hmm. some people. Perhaps I think there are even people that have listened for a while that mm-hmm. even if they were two or three weeks late, it was over their heads. They True. still haven't figured out who Darlene is, but there you have it. Yep. So um, this is how we're going to do this. We have 32 entrants into the bracket based on 16 games. Um, we each did uh, 16 apiece. There's also two play-ins because Tim Graham... Um, had uh, had had a couple of appearances on the show, and so he's got a couple, and and he said, "Hey, you know what? I should I should have to play my way into the bracket." So what we'll have is the initial vote are two play-in matchups, which will feature one of Tim Graham's, Graham's choices against a random selection of one of our choices, um, and then those the winner of those two will advance into the main bracket. So. The first thing we will do is draw the initial uh, play-in competitor to Tim Graham's Week 4 Come On Darlene of Arnie Herber being on the Packers Wall of Fame. Arnie Herber who had less passing touchdowns or fewer passing touchdowns than, uh, than interceptions in his career. And wasn't he in the Hall of Fame? I think he was. I think he was too. So he, uh, so that was Tim Graham's pick, and so the competitor to the come on, um, the Arnie Herber will be the incomplete pass that uh, the referees called a fumble twice in the Minnesota game, which was one of mine. I don't remember that play. Neither now. do I. <laughs> I was gonna say I don't so, remember that play. So Arnie Herber might have a shot here to get into. Uh, Arnie Herber has my vote <laughs> to get into the old ball game here. This is good for future reference when we're picking these. Come on, our right. list, uh, so that they have some staying power. The more memorable, the better. All right, and uh, the other Tim Graham uh, play-in potential is to Adam Vinatieri. For not breaking the NFL record by missing two extra points and hurting his groin in the Week Seven matchup against That's the Bills, right. Did, he had a third. Didn't Tim have a a third? I don't want to upset people. Uh, with oh that come one. on, that one was his best one. <laughs> that one. That would, one probably would have won the bracket. Yeah, yeah. I that uh, I I left that one aside just because you know want to want to keep the peace. We're gonna have write-in votes. <laughs> I'm gonna start a. A subsection of this bracket. Okay, on, that's on fine. Twitter. Well, Adam Vinatieri will be up against. Let's see. Your entrant of Sean McDermott, 
for explaining Ray Ray McLeod being inactive as a football decision. I'll probably remember. I'll be telling that story to my grandkids. That one really. Are you trying to sell your own picks here? That really got to me. Is, uh, is that what you're doing here? That was the weekend that Ray Ray McLeod didn't travel for the game. Right. And, you know, his agent came out saying he had learned a valuable lesson, and then Sean McDermott said it was a football decision. Yeah. So it's like, all right, what is it? What, what, so, what, yeah, what, what, what football benefit is there to hanging around in Orchard Park while the team is, where were they anyways? Indianapolis? Uh, was that, that was, weekend? it was that yes. weekend. Yeah. Yes. So, mine like a steel trap. Wow. How about this? A uh, week seven going up against a week seven. Tim's playing game, or Tim's playing, will be going up against your uh, Sean McDermott versus Ray Ray McLeod. One. Both on the same weekend. Wow. What a, a great weekend. Okay. So now, um, what we'll do is the winner of the Arnie Herber versus the incomplete pass called Fumble Twice against the Vikings, the winner of that matchup will face in the first round. Let's see, what do we have here? Uh, Matthew Fairburn giving the award to Matthew Fairburn for irresponsibly encouraging and challenging followers to stack Marcus Murphy by telling them to screenshot it in a dud of a game where he got hurt. That's true. I did that. And I believe there was somebody else that I was... Was it... Yeah, there was a couple of guys that people were like, should I do this? And I was like... Keith Ford was the other one. I was daring people to do it, and they did it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it did not turn out... Well, Marcus Murphy got hurt. It wasn't totally my fault, but I still... Felt the need to, but you were encouraging them to screenshot it to, yes, to basically tell you that hey, yeah. I've got the guts to do right. this. Yeah, making them think that you know they were the toughest guys on the world wide web. That type of that was irresponsible. Mm-hmm. I and I took ownership of it, and here I am taking ownership of it again. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, and and then that means the winner of the Indianapolis play-in game of uh, the Ad- Adam Vinatieri versus Sean McDermott, Rayburn McLeod incident. That winner will be going up against Henry Anderson for cold clocking Stephen Hauschka after a blocked field goal, which was also one of yours. Yeah, very fair. That was a that was a, a tough one. How that kind that? of ruined Stephen Hauschka's season. Yeah, it did. How about how about that? I mean, you've got a couple of Indianapolis ones going up against a former Colt yeah. potentially. That's that's something. Okay. So now that the play-in games and the, the potential play-in matchups are set, let's go to the main bracket, shall we? Opponent number one will be... Oh, yes. Forgot about this one. Harrison Phillips. And this was one for me for advocating to drink a gallon of milk a day to children. Wasn't it chocolate milk, too? No. Couldn't have been. <laughs> Whatever it was. Just a disgusting... That's yeah. gross. I mean, Harrison Phillips, that, that happened in week 15 against uh, against the Detroit Lions. I mean, it barely happened on the field, but Harrison Phillips, come on. You, you, you just, you can't do that. It's too much milk. Too much milk. And he did it to try and put on weight, and that's why he was advocating for it. But, man, just, that's that's a little much for my taste. And Harrison Phillips will be up against... <laughs> Matthew Fairburn's entrant of the Minnesota Vikings fan who had Packers suck on the back with the number 61 rather than the number 69. He missed a golden opportunity. I, will... <laughs> I believe you said the same exact yeah, thing. I, 
I remember that one very clearly. And he was sitting right in front of us, very disappointed. Mm -hmm. I very much enjoyed the Packers suck jersey, but there must have, unless there was some hidden meaning to number 61 that I'm not aware of, then he really, really missed his chance. Yeah. So Harrison Phillips up against fan Packers suck 61 fan who didn't do 69. Next up, we have. Let's see. <laughs> this is one of the favorites to win. No doubt. Uh, week 10 at the Jets. Matthew Fairburn's entrant via Mike Rodak. Of the oh, yeah. apologetically frequent, frequently ripping farts unapologetically in the Jets press box, man. Yes, the ass-ripping press box, man. Ass-ripping press was, box, man. He was dumb. <clears throat> he did apologize for it right later on but at but was also unapologetic ahead of time right it was an apology in the sense of clearly i'm sorry you heard this i'm not sorry that i've done it type of thing. <laughs> and i'm going to continue to do it so ass ripping press box man gets in and he will be going up against my entrant from the monday night football game to the person that was responsible for letting the Bachelor Bros drunk on the field after the game. Yeah, that and it probably could have gone to Beauvais for taking a picture with you him. You mentioned that too! <laughs> yeah, Beauvais took a picture with them. Could should we no, we, we shouldn't change it to Beauvais. But that's yeah, against the rules. That, but. That's a tough draw for the Bachelor Bros. Yeah. Gonna say. I mean, we talk about a hellacious first round matchup. I thought the Bachelor Bros could at least sneak into the Sweet 16. Not so much anymore. I mean, ass-ripping press box, man. Pretty good. Yeah, he was a savage. Yeah. He wouldn't. He won't be appearing on an episode of The Bachelor anytime soon. Not, not until he cleans up his hygiene. No, sir. All right, next we have the next matchup, which is <laughs> uh, Fairburn's uh, entrant of the man he sat next to on the plane that was cussing and oh, yeah. slammed the window a good 20 times on a half an hour flight. That was, I, I, I was concerned for about a lot of things about, he not as much as he was concerned about evidently, as he was chugging Red Bull and having quite a bit of a, perhaps a mild panic attack. Yeah, I'm not he had really a time. Sure. But it was a 30 minute flight. I mean, come on, darling. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, I think that's, uh, that's fair. Ooh, this is this is gonna be a, a tasty little first round matchup. That man will be going up against from the Miami game in week 13, road game. My entrant of people sporting a new Nike Bills jersey with Jim Kelly number twelve on it. They sell those, right? Do they? So is the come on Darlene to the people selling them or the people buying them? Because I think people I think it's tweeted all in- at us afterwards saying, I'm ashamed to say I have one of these, but they do sell them. I think it's all-encompassing. I, I really do. I agree. Because I, I think perhaps more blame goes to those selling, mm. trying to turn a quick buck on something that's not very uh, not very authentic. Yeah. But, yeah, you're caught in a weird place. Not, I, don't, I don't like it. I vote no on it. I say you... Uh, you got to go on eBay and get the real thing. Oh, yeah. You have to vote no on it. I mean, the authenticity. It's tough when you root for a team where 
you know, the best players played a long time ago. You know, there's mm-hmm. not many jerseys that you can get that have had staying power. Uh, and so if they're, you know, perhaps you've taken swings and missed at some jerseys in the 2000s, and you're sitting there thinking, I just have to get myself a Jim Kelly jersey. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go right in there and get one. Then you're you're being deceived mm-hmm. because they're selling you something that ain't even remotely what it looked like. Some hogwash. Yeah. Next matchup. It will be my entrance from the Green Bay game of, you know how they sometimes do a flag that extends um, a certain part of the field, like one of those big old flags? Well, in Green Bay, the flag they had was some sort of amalgam of the United States flag and France. Yeah, it was not the... There were just random stars on on a blue, white, and red stripe flag. Are we sure it was not the Wisconsin State flag? There's no way that it was the Wisconsin State flag. If it if it was, and they played it during the the initial uh, no, no no shot. If they if it was the Wisconsin flag and they played it during the national anthem, quite pretentious of Wisconsin IMO. Don't you agree? Uh, I don't know. I think that would be a power move. <laughs> Well, yeah, they they brought out a fake flag. It was a thing. Uh, yeah, it became a thing, right? So, so it was it was not uh, not an ideal look, uh, and people were like, "What the heck is that?" Yeah, people were not uh, happy. Right. The director of public affairs uh, said they will not do it again. Wow, they actually <laughs> issued a statement I, well, about it. I I think he said they've done it before, um, but. Uh, it's not something that they're going to do going forward. Uh, yeah, they... they it, I mean, you're seeing the picture of it, right? It, it Scroll up a little bit. Yeah, we will not be using displays, these displays in the future to avoid causing confusion. It was a red, red stripe, solid stripe, white solid stripe, blue solid stripe, and in the blue, there were white stars being shown. So that's a, that's a I don't know, that's, that's, that's an overstep there. It was a little stupid. Yes, it surely was. All right. Um, so that will be going up against... Let's see. Well, that one was already picked, so we can't do that. <laughs> I might give it to Fritz for whining in the background. Fritz, get it together, dude. Ooh, that one will be going up against the namesake, Darlene. Because she had been, up to that point, absent during Bill's games. So Darlene... Which week was that? That was week nine against the Chicago Bears. So Darlene... Halfway through the season. More than halfway through the season. He goes... She really didn't make make an effort. And that's not in the spirit of the thing. Darlene's got to be better than that, don't you think? I'd say good on her for uh, unplugging during these Bills games. And, you know, perhaps she took took your advice a little bit and said, you know what, you're right. I need to step away from the old Twitter machine and... Stop pretending like Joe is giving away the the Bills game. The goods. So I I think it was a a moment of personal growth for Darlene. (laughs) Far less egregious than the the Packers flag. It's not even a flag. It was a banner. I don't even know what that was. I think you're just trying to skew the results here. But they were both mine, so I guess I don't care. Right. Yeah. I I get an automatic pass into the Sweet 16. Okay. Uh, Next up, the next matchup. Ooh. Strong contender. 
Week 17 against the Dolphins, Fairburn's entrant of Rodak for forgetting to shave his soul patch. Mm. Yeah, that was... That was grody. Rodak's first appearance on mm-hmm. Commander Arlene, which is quite shocking, uh, considering he's Rodak. Well, his mom... His mom has... Well, in 2017. She, she kind of made an appearance. She did? She made an appearance in Mention, but the Commander right. Arlene was to the... People making out on the... Uh, it may have been Rodak's mom. Who's to say? Well... Nobody nobody could confirm or deny. Well, Rodak... She didn't have a good alibi. Rodak's soul patch is basically getting a bye into the second round because his opponent is week 16 against the New England Patriots, Matt Darr for terrible punting. Yeah. That was a... I, I apologize for that pick of Come On Darlene. That was not crea- creative of me whatsoever. Although, Matt Darr, he was a pretty terrible punter. Still is, I'm, I'm guessing, unless mm. something's changed in the last two weeks. Right. So, but yeah, this is a good uh, self-scouting tool for next year. <laughs> it certainly is. Realize that some of these are just kind of off the top of top of the head a little bit too. Yep. So, uh, not bad for all that considered. But right, we'll make them even better in 2019. Yeah, we sure will. Uh, the next matchup, first entrant also from week 16. Fairburns of the Jumbotron man that dabbed 30 times in 15 seconds during the commercial break. Yeah, that was in New England, right? Uh, yes, it yeah, was. Yeah, so it was, a, I think, important context that it was a Patriots fan. Uh, and <laughs> I was okay with the dab. Uh, I've, I appreciate somebody who tries to keep the dab alive in these times where the dab has become, you know, a bit vintage. But he just wouldn't stop dabbing Mm -hmm. and you got to use your screen time (laughs) wiser than that and i don't care how many sam adams you've had you got to limit the dabs there are children watching i thought that was that was just what's another ridiculous big new england beer harpoon Mm, Uh, that's not the one i'm thinking of like a macro beer no it's like a Oh, like a Neskennet light or something like I don't know. Maybe I'm screwing that up. Narragansett? Narragansett. That's yeah, the one. Narragansett would be the one. That's a, yeah. yeah. I don't think they sell Narragansett at Gillette Stadium. Maybe they do. And then in that case, Perhaps they did that for might the dab explain man. how many dabs he had because I don't know what the hell he was doing. <laughs> well, the dab man will be up against personal favorite of mine, Matthew Fairburn, in the bracket once again. For not bringing up Blaine Gabbert on the previous episode of the Bills Beat. This was back in week six, ahead of the Texans game. That's, uh, with how much Blaine Gabbert has has a hold on this podcast, for you to break the streak and not even realize it. And I forget why now, but there was some relevancy to bringing him up. Mm -hmm. There, like, would have been a, a way to bring him up where it wouldn't have just been saying his name. But yeah, that was that was a whiff, almost as much of a whiff as when the streak initially ended, <laughs> because there was also relevancy to bringing him up then. So um, there's always relevancy to bringing him up. Absolutely. Clearly. But yeah, that's a, a worthy addition. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. See, now we're getting to the point where I've gotten a lot of the numbers, so I have to keep hitting it until uh, we get to one that we haven't picked yet. Okay. Uh, next up. In the matchup, the first entrant is the guy along the tunnel that threw a beer can at Leonard Fournette against the Jaguars in Week 12. Which, that's a serious one, but notably but also, serious. Yeah, yeah, probably 
for the best. Yeah, because I guess it depends what you're, and it, it's all in the eyes of the voter. But if you're, you know, voting for dildo of the year, I mean, that guy is kind of it, isn't he? I mean, yeah. you know, throwing a a beer can at you know players kind of a pretty dumb move mm-hmm. but if you're uh if you're taking your voting in more of the lighthearted direction obviously we've got some other uh some other characters here for you including this one which in week nine against the chicago bears matthew fairburn on the bracket for a third time but that was <laughs> i only put myself on there once didn't i <laughs> No, friend, you did not. Uh, Matthew Fairburn on this time uh, for using the Raiders' defense against Nick Mullins after ad- advocating for a Nick Mullins stack. I think, again, a worthy uh, reason for me being on there. I mean, perhaps a bit uh, self-defeating here in, in a mi- of my mindset, but I think, you know, if I had stuck with Nick Mullins, I would have been golden i was really beating myself up watching thursday night football that week mm-hmm. Ooh, here is a a big one that bills fans feel pretty strongly against first up in this matchup vontae davis leaving at halftime and retiring leaving the stadium flat yeah that might be worse than the guy throwing the beer can I'm goodbye sure. that's a t- yeah, that's a tough one Ooh, what I- was even the other one that week I'm surprised we had a second one because... Well, well, we're going to get to that one. That inspired a whole new award category. Right. It sure did. Um, Okay. Then here's where... This is what I can tell you is my only entrance into the bracket. Um, Week 10 against the New York Jets. I got the Come On Darlene Award. For doubting Matt Barkley coming into the Barkley McCown Bowls Bowl and underestimating him. So the Bowls Bowl. Bowls Bowl, sorry. <laughs> Bowls Bowl. Yes. Which R.I.P. Todd Bowles. There were a lot of people who doubted young Matt Barkley, but now he's got an award named after him on the Bills Beat. So and a dreams new contract. Can, dreams can come true. Yep. And it all started here on the Bills Beat. He's in rare company with Dre Archer and Darlene and Vontae Davis. Ooh. I'm not, not the best company to keep. <laughs> no, it certainly is not. The next matchup, let's see. Matthew Fairburn again. I was in here four times. Four times. You Yikes. were you were on the bracket 25%. So far, of the time. we're three for three for them being for legitimate causes. And I think you're four for four for this. Um, I put you on here for this. Matthew Fairburn for not telling me about having a 94 Thunderbird as a high school Ah, student that graduated in 2010 that included having front window decals. That was just a convenient excuse to bring up my great car. You were just trying to pump up my great choice of car. Well, I mean... Probably still a worthy addition to the... uh, Yeah, I I think people deserve to know that sort of thing about their podcast hosts and... Uh, yeah, I think, I think that is more than a, uh, a worthy adversary. There were some car people out there that were into it. Legitimate, <laughs> legitimately like on me about it. Like, really? Like that it was not a good car. And I was like, <laughs> you know. All right. Well, I, I'm having trouble finding another one really quickly. So, ah, here we go. Uh, that you 
for the fourth time, will be up against Tom Coughlin for screaming like an infant in the press box next to the actual press box um, when his team was not doing all that well. And you remember that fondly. Yes, that was a, a quite a crazy tirade from Tom Coughlin, mm-hmm. who I, I, I believe I put that one on there. Yes, you did. Um, because Tom Coughlin was the... Uh, Probably should have been angry at himself. Uh, doesn't look like a guy that would be all that fun to watch games with. Mm-mm. And Tony Khan didn't seem to be enjoying himself. Dave Caldwell didn't seem to be enjoying himself. So, yeah, I don't like my chances up against Tom Coughlin. No. It, well, although you never know. I'm now, I didn't realize I was going to have a chance to represent the entire Final Four, potentially. <laughs> uh, I don't as know. As long as they end up in... I don't know if the bracket's going to perhaps be... Perhaps those are the one seeds in their respective regions. <laughs> I mean, we will. We can do a random draw for the, for the next round. Um, but yeah, I don't know that, uh, that the odds would be against you being all four of the final four, just for what it's worth. So yeah, four times I was actually hoping that you went up against yourself, um, in one of these first round matchups, but the, uh, I, I did not get my wish there. Um, Okay. I'm just trying to just trying to delete some so that way we can do this a lot more swimmingly here. Um, let's see. So just refresh people's memory about that car one more time while I continue to do this. It was a nice car. It went very probably what I should have been on the bracket for was the gator skin shoes I wore to junior prom. We did not bring that which up. Which I drove the Thunderbird with the gator skin shoes to junior prom. That probably should have been why I landed in that that spot on the bracket, but mm. the Thunderbird was was a treat. It also almost caught on fire. Did we discuss that the first time? I think uh, so. Uh, yeah, very close. Came very close to catching on fire one day. Smoke was pouring out of the hood. I I certainly never would have made it to New Era Field uh, or Buffalo for that matter if that car had burst into flames on four ninety five back in the day. But luckily, it held on. I managed to get off the road and get out of there it never caught on fire but whenever smoke's pouring from your hood Mm -hmm. not a good sign no certainly not um i for some reason i only have nine remaining which is somewhat weird but hey we'll charge on all right next we have what all right the next one will be uh, this kind of could have gone way better um ah mike vrabel for not using blaine gabbert against mm. the bills which was an egregious one to you i think i think so Mariota was kind of banged up in that game he was he? he was kind of banged up also kind of bad he played terribly he was hurt I think there was an opportunity there, an opportunity missed. Mm-hmm. Not oh. quite as big an opportunity as Packers suck 69 guy, but... True. Still, Vrabel had his chance. And imagine what the podcast would have been like if Blaine Gabbert mm-hmm. had made an appearance. Then he, we could have gotten some some Blaine Gabbert audio. We could have went and 
talk to him. Well, I mean, Blaine Gabbert has weaseled his way on here a couple of times, so it's not as though it's not completely uh, spoken for in this bracket. The Bills do go to Nashville again next year. That's going to be great. So That's going to be a, a, a big-time destination. Assuming Gabbert's back, I don't know his contract details, which will probably surprise many of you, but uh, I assume he'll be back. It's a nice backup to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we'll just do the post-game show from his locker room. From I mean, his locker, <laughs> rather. Not his, well, it is kind of his locker room. Do you room think he would he would uh, give us the time of day? Uh, probably not, but he might not have a choice after a game if we ambush him. I suppose that's correct. Um, yeah. Assuming he's not listening. He might be. I mean, with he, the amount that we bring knows, him up. Now he knows that he's going to be ambushed. It won't have the same effect. Wow. Um, all right, so that's we've still got some big time guns here in in this bracket. All right, the next one will be uh, the one going up against what? What was it? Mike Vrabel? Yes. Will be oh, from Indianapolis. My entrant. The man on Twitter that said he would rather have a second vasectomy rather than watching the Bills play ever again. That strong and people strong should go contender. back and listen to that episode, the post game Colts episode, to get the full splendor that of was that. A, Come on, Darlene. That was a humdinger. That was uh, when Tim Graham decided to, you know, make it a little bit over the top. And we appreciate him for as it. one does. As one certainly does. As Tim does. <laughs> yeah, that that's for sure. Um, so that, yeah, this is this is setting up. Uh, there's still a lot of really good ones. One, two, three, four, five. All right, we're good now. We have eight remaining. For some reason, I I mistakenly deleted one of them. All right, so we're down to the final four matchups here. First, Sean McDermott in week one for saying, "I've got to watch the film on Nathan Peterman." He's got to watch the film. It was still fresh, that Nathan Peterman performance. And that was the first of the got to watch the film, which became an ongoing uh, theme for him. Which then he didn't really use all that much as the season got into, like, the second half. All of a sudden he didn't need to watch all that much film. Right. Yeah. It was a a notable crutch. And I think a, a worthy... Uh, part of the Come On Darlene bracket, seeing as how he basically eliminated it from his lexicon. It's one of the uh, taglines, I think, of the 2018 season. <laughs> gotta watch the film? Yeah. Ooh. Well, I've gotta watch the film. We'll be up against the grumbling, pantsless man in the bathroom stall that didn't close the door in week 17, which was... I'm still scarred by it, there was somebody on Twitter who had the same thing happen to them. Right. They they said, Joe, I didn't believe that it could have happened, and then it happened to me at a wedding. Which okay, if you're if you need if you need to use the bathroom in the stall and you need to drop the pants down to the knees area, you know, maybe maybe close the door. It's 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 really all that simple. Yeah, it's not really not a difficult practice. People have been doing it for and, generations. And to grumble whilst in the uh, the bathroom. That's uh I'll tell you what. I got to watch the film has a uh, have their hands full with that one. No uh, pun intended there. Um, next up we have in the next matchup first 
Ah, into Sirius Town, one of the last ones of Sirius Town that we have, um, which you were right to put on the bracket. This was at the time of Eric Reed um, saying what he did uh, about Terry Pagula, and to which Terry Pagula um, claimed that the NFL needed a black figurehead uh, to help with the anthem issue, and that was one of your entrants. Um, like I said, not a uh, not a typical hijinks one for us, but one that was well stated and needed to be on the bracket. Sometimes we get mildly serious. I mean, not if, most of the time. If you're if you've heard most of these uh, entrants, however, if you look at the percentages here, when there, the time calls for it, there's like three serious ones as opposed to thirty one others. It's pretty accurate representation of I of us say. as humans. Yeah, probably. Uh, and that will be up against. <laughs> I'm sorry. The Upper Deck Man Boob Man at uh, Bill's Ravens. That's a one seed if I've ever <laughs> oh, if I've ever heard one. Because if you remember, it was it was wet that day. Yeah, it was cold and rainy. Wow, and booby, <laughs> if you will. It was breasty out there. <laughs> it was nipply. Uh, okay, so uh, yeah, Pagula's got no shot there to advance. Um, the last two matchups of the first round. First one. Ooh, forgot about this one. Week five against Tennessee. Punter Corey Bajorquez for running a fake field goal when no one else did. Remember that? Yeah, that was that kind of ended his season too. That's one it? of those plays that stick in your craw. He got hurt. Yeah. On that, and he couldn't come back. Yeah, that was on him too. Yeah, you talked to people after the game. It, Nobody would say it, but it was like, yeah, we weren't running a fake. It's like, well, somebody should have told Corey. And that's one of those plays, like, you know, I, early on in the drawing, you know, the, the incomplete play that was ruled a fumble twice. Like, I have, I have no idea because that happened way long ago. But that's one of those plays where you go, oh, I remember that. That was bad. Because it was. It was, it was, it was a bad look there. Uh, and that will be up against... Jerry Hughes in week 13 against Miami for for uh, pretending that screaming at the official never happened in the locker room interview 15 minutes later. He still has not <laughs> acknowledged that that was a thing. He got fined like $50,000, didn't he? Something like that? <laughs> yeah, fifty, almost fifty-four grand. Yeah, I think it was. a lot of money for that. So evidently but, something happened. No, refresh my memory. Right. What <laughs> did I do? The video. What did I do? What did I do? Well, I have you on video. Well, what? What did I do? I wish someone had shown him the video. Mm. That would have been uh, even better. He would have left the interview, I think. Yeah, that probably wouldn't have gone very well. I don't think he would have stood for it. Which leaves the final first-round matchup of the back judge in Week 2 against the Chargers on Taiwan Jones being helmetless and then getting crushed. And oh, having yeah. to leave the so game. So that one's also kind of scary. Yes, that was a scary moment. Um, and glad that Taiwan Jones is okay. Came back to play later that season. But then ended up on injured reserve. Yes. Um, but I'm sorry to say for Taiwan Jones, I don't think he has a shot in the first round because he'll be up against the Week 6 anthem singer in Houston that tucked his Texans jersey into his jeans with a big old Texas belt buckle uh, separating the two. Yeah, jersey tucked into the jeans, not a good look. Yeah. Not playing. And I think, I think it hurt his case because it wasn't like a fitted jersey. 
it was one of those ones where if you if you brought it up out of the out of the pants a little bit, it would probably fold over the yeah. belt buckle, which is as about first to second grade as you can get. Yeah, it almost seemed like he had just grabbed it, not thought of, there was no planning that went into it, which perhaps it gives him some you know plausible deniability. But mm-hmm. it's as if somebody handed him the jersey and he was like, you know what. I can't go out there with this on and not show off my belt buckle. So I got to tuck this sucker into my jeans. I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe it's a Texas thing. I don't know. We were pretty far deep in Texas there. Yeah, we sure were. So I don't know, but definitely uh, a solid contender, I think. So there we have it. The 34 come on Darlene's that are in the bracket have now been placed. And all we can do is wait for the result. So... Obviously, hey, how do these how do these uh, things advance? Well, we're not going to do it. We're gonna we're going to have you guys vote on who advances into the next round, and hopefully, um, you'll have some fun with it. Uh, so, what you'll do? I've created a little voting page, and so if you either tag me or Fairburn or both of us, preferably. I can send you and use the hashtag come on Darlene so that way we know what you're talking about. I'll send you the link and the uh, and yeah, we can uh, we can get that get this thing going that way. So so just tweet at Fairburn and I, hashtag come on Darlene. I'll send you the link. You vote. This You can also probably put it in the uh, notes on SoundCloud, right? Oh yeah, yeah, that definitely. That's a way to do it too. Right. We're trying to make this the listeners yes vote, as yeah we're to if we send it out on twitter then it's gonna there's gonna be too many people that aren't privy which is so which is why i want listeners to tweet us so that way it's but like perhaps right, in yeah. the show notes would be another way to kind of oh yeah hide it in there so yeah know where to look so if you go to the actual soundcloud link and and uh find the link right in there you'll be able to copy and paste it and then vote and be merry and we'll see how are we going to do it? Are we going to do like a round a week? Yeah. Or uh, yeah, something so. something along those yeah, lines? Yeah, to crown a champion before the NFL draft, I think, would be uh, would be accurate. Um, and, hey, who knows? We well, might... it'll probably go quicker than that, won't it? Uh, depending on how long it takes to get some votes here. That's true. Um, I believe in the people. I do as well. So be sure, and this one's going to be a short one, but next week, once the play-in results are published... Ooh, it's gonna be a humdinger trying to decide between some of these uh, some of these entrants. All right, so the come on Darlene bracket is now out there, and now it's in your hands. So find the link on the SoundCloud page or or tweet at us, come on Darlene, and we'll send you the link personally. All right, so Matthew, we done did it. It's out in the public now. It's out there. All Usually they're they're hidden in our words in this podcast that only us. A relatively small group of people listen to a pretty big chunk, but like not, you know, out there, out there. And in writing, all these spur of the moment, come on, Darlene's, some good ones. And for those of you that got through this entire episode, hey, well freaking done. I feel like if you listened, then it probably brought back some good, it was like a greatest hits. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Kind of like a, uh, like one of those episodes on a tv show where they just have flashbacks to a whole bunch of stuff 
there's probably a lot of stuff people forgot, maybe stuff that people missed. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we'll have to we'll have to put something together for the winning. Come on, Darlene. We'll have to uh, oh, yeah. clip the audio. and Like a one shining moment? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is ridiculous. All right, so uh, the next time we will speak to you will be hopefully next week. We're both going to be at the Senior Bowl. Um, and hopefully we can we can carve out an hour while we're there. Yeah, we've got some different flight times, but hey, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see if we can we can make it happen. If not, um, we'll definitely do it the week after that to recap the Senior Bowl, what Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott said, everything like that, because this will be the first time they're both talking since the end of the season. So... Should be uh, fairly interesting now that it becomes Brandon Bean's time of year. All right, so for everyone for listening and for supporting the Come On Darlene section of the podcast, thank you all. My name is Joe Biscaglia for Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic. We will talk to you hopefully next week. See you then.